All right, everybody, welcome to this week's Learning the Tropes. I'm Erin. I'm Clayton. And I'm your romance novel veteran. And I'm the virgin. And we're your hosts. Hi, Clayton. Hello, Erin. How's it going? Oh, it's going. It's going for all of us. Yeah. Before we get started on this book that people have been clamoring for us to read for probably, I think since we basically started the podcast or this book came out. Yeah. Um, we want to do a quick shout out to our new patron. Yeah. Maddie Kramer. Thank you for your patronage. Thanks, Maddie. Um, and so this week we read uh, Devil's Daughter by Lisa Kleypas. It is number five in the Ravenel series. And it's also, I see it sometimes, uh, the Ravenels meet the wallflowers as like a subsection of the Ravenel series. Mm-hmm. So there you have it. Um, and so, Clayton, I, you have to talk about this cover because this is a cover that has entranced you for a good while. Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember seeing this book. This was this because this book did come out around the time we started the podcast or maybe Mm -hmm. a little bit after. And just looking at it, I I remember seeing it in the bookstore and just being like, I I, we need to read this book. And it was one of those things where, you know, we decided that we wanted to read some of the other stuff before because obviously the wallflowers happens before this and all that. But, I mean, it's just Phoebe in this beautiful yellow dress and this golden background. And it's just, I mean, it's just her red hair flowing. It's just a gorgeous, gorgeous cover. Yeah. And she has, like, roses. (laughs) Mm -hmm. She has, like, a line of roses around her dress. And the background, too... And I do, and I mean this in like a positive, but it has those like swirls that were like everywhere in the nineties mm-hmm. over like the gold. It is yes. such a striking, gorgeous cover. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's a it's a perfect cover. I feel like. Hmm. And you famously found it in a little library. Yes, I mean the the copy that I read is the copy I found in a little library, little free library. So obviously it was meant to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wish I would have uh, found the hardcover oh, to have yeah. that that cover bigger. But I mean, beggars can't be choosers. And I am <laughs> most definitely a beggar. <laughs> I know. I, I'm so curious as to who put it in there. Had it been read, do you, was like the spine crack? Oh, or was it's, it brand new? yeah, it's, it's had its day. It, I mean, for a <laughs> book that's not that old, although 2019 is a long time ago, it doesn't feel it because of the whole pandemic uh, shenanigans. Th- this was a well-read and well-loved book. So it's interesting. Maybe they bought a new copy because this mm-hmm. one was very well-worn. Perhaps, yeah. Well, whoever put it in there, how fortuitous for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we get started about sort of the content of the book, uh, Clayton, what is this book about? So this book is about Phoebe, who is the daughter of Sebastian St. Vincent, who, if you've listened to this podcast, we talked about him before in Devil in Winter. And uh, he's also he was also in a previous book in this series too, for a, mm-hmm. for like a short moment. And then, of course, Evie, one of the wallflowers, is his wife. And 
Phoebe's the daughter. She is a she's a widow. Her husband died of a wasting disease, as as happened back in the day. Left with two sons. She's there. She she comes to uh, Eversley Priory. Yeah, which is where where West lives and Devon for a wedding. For the wedding of her, what was it? It's his, her sister, right? Her brother. Her brother, that's and, right. Yeah, and West's cousin. So that was the previous book, The Devil in Spring. So it's her brother Gabriel and West's cousin's Pandora. Yeah, so the, there for the wedding, runs into West, and, ooh, this guy is hot, but then realizes that <laughs> he is the, a, a guy who bullied her husband, Back in their school mm-hmm. days, and they start a, a, a flirtation. They fall in love, and she has her husband's friend, uh, who is like mismanaging the their estate. And Wes comes in to try to help, and this guy's like a real scumbag. We find out a secret about him that he's got like a side piece, and then. Uh, Sebastian St. Vincent fixes everything, and that's the end. Pretty much, right? Yeah, no, you got it. And I think something that struck me as I was reading this book is, like, how amazing an adaptation, I mean, of any of Clavis's books, which we have talked about in the past, but, like, especially this series, because I think the issue with adaptations sometimes of romance series is it's, like, normally one couple per book, and it's, like, you know hard to keep things moving forward where it's like these so many of these books are happening concurrently that I it would be really exciting and they overlap with each other and you'd be able to like kind of jump around in a way. Well know, you could almost there. you could almost do a wallflowers slash Ravenel's combo adaptation in the sense that you would have flashbacks and flash forwards, right? So you would be following the f- those families in both timelines. I mean, I could see that happening, right? It's just like you can put those two together because we'd want to see how Sebastian and and Evie got together and that could be something that you show when their you know, kids are getting married. You know, that kind of thing, right? I, yeah, I think so, too. I think that could be really good if you did a Wallflowers and Ravenel's series. Well, it could almost be like This Is Us. Yeah. That would be great. Yeah, if it was the two timelines. Yeah. Right? I mean, it that would be, would be maybe complicated, but I think you could do it. Or you could just you know do it the regular way to make more episodes of it. Or, I mean, I guess it doesn't matter. You could do – you could have – there's a lot of there's a lot of juice in 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 the these uh these fruits. As <laughs> I think no if one you did says. The, yeah, the, the the wallflowers as a series, and then to do the ravenels and the wall. It's just like because this book happens at the same time as Hello Stranger, mm-hmm. and at the same time as The Devil in Spring. Yeah. So I think that it's like it would be one season where like a bunch of these storylines are happening at the same time. It. I don't know. I just think it could be really fun and interesting. And, you know, we talk all the time about how cinematic Cleopas is and how rare she's both like very cinematic and very 
internal with her characters. Yes. In a way that there are these big set pieces that don't feel like big set pieces or don't feel like here's the author trying to create a big set piece. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And very visual, but also you're still thinking of them as like, you know, knowing what's happening internally and always having that check in as well. So I don't know. I just really would love to see this. Yeah. I mean, uh, so overall, Mm -hmm. I I mean, I I love this book because I was waiting for West's book. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't let down. I mean, he's a guy who reformed himself, who, you know, stopped overeating, stopped, stopped, you know, destroying marriages, started really getting to like turning the estate around, found something he loved to do, found something he was good at, and really just became a better person. Now, he still has that sort of, am I good enough to be with someone like Phoebe, who is almost a saint, you know, and uh, that's the conflict. And what I like, too, is like this is a reformed bully romance, I guess, like kind of on its on the surface, Mm -hmm. you know, and we've read bully romances before. I'm not a particular fan of the trope, but I think because a lot of the time it has to be the bully trying to convince the other person that they've changed now. Mm -hmm. And I think what's interesting is that this is kind of the opposite, where he acknowledges, like, what an asshole he was as a child. Like, he also is in touch enough with his own feelings to understand why he acted that way. He's like, I didn't have any family. I didn't have anyone look out for me. The adult men in my life were cruel to me. And I turned around and was cruel to others as well. And that was, like, not the right thing to do. But I was a child. So it's like, you know, he has that level of perspective. But it's so, so deeply ingrained with him that, like, Phoebe has to be the one to show him, like, I don't think, like, you have changed. You are not that person anymore. And a way that I thought was really interesting and engaging, because, you know, Lisa Claypass can have very plot-heavy books. And this, Mm -hmm. I would say, is not super plot-heavy. It's mostly just about this relationship. But it is still so compelling because it is just about, like, you know, him being able to change his view of himself. And also, you know, we talk about romance and how with romance novels, each character has to change dramatically through knowing the other person. And that happens here too, in a way that is so like believable um, to, to watch. So I, yeah, it was great. And I also think that she, you know, West awakens something in in Phoebe that's like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm I'm not just a mother. I can be like a sexual being. I can have passion. I can do all these things, you know, and still be that great mom that I am, you know? Mm-hmm. Right, because he sees that in her from the beginning. Well, and, the thi- yeah. yeah. Well, the thing I was you saying go. about West, though, is that like mm-hmm. he – he already made so much progress before meeting her. Like we've seen his progress, right? So like if you just read this book and didn't read any of the other stuff, you might be like, oh, okay, this guy was a bully. He's, he was a rag, blah, blah, blah. But, but like we saw him like fix himself. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, we, we've seen him progress. So like there was like, she finished the, the, like job, but he did a lot of the work himself. That's the thing. This isn't a, 
here's this slovenly rake who's drunk and all this stuff, and I fixed him. It's like he was he was already doing the work, and that's what I liked. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I think he had done all the, like, kind of external work of, like, not drinking as much and changing his priorities and really finding his passion in life. But she mm-hmm. was the one that kind of led him to the internal work. Where yes. I think in his mind, he still thought of himself as, like, a wastrel and somebody not to be trusted. Well, and the, she was like, yeah. yeah. And the big thing is, like, he, the her kids, he's like, well, they'll hear stories. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. what happens what I do and how good I am now, you know, when they grew up, they're going to hear about the things I done and it's not going to be, it's, it's not going to be pretty. And so he does carry a lot of that with him. But I do think there's yeah. a thing, I mean, he's, he's, he still is the West we love. He's, he, he's witty and charming and all these things. So you can see why Phoebe falls for him and they have a great rapport with each other. Oh yeah. Cause this is almost like love at first sight. I think mm-hmm. certainly for him. Yeah. But it doesn't feel like rushed in any way because, yeah, the way that they, I mean, like, Kleypas is a master of just, like, having her characters have conversations that you yes. want to read forever. Mm-hmm. And, the yeah, the way that they play off of each other is is so good and so engaging. And you can see, like, he really brought Phoebe to life in a way. And he, through him, like, trusting her with things... And basically just saying to her, like, no, you can handle these estates. Like, you can handle looking through all these documents and you can handle, like, managing this. Mm-hmm. She believed that she could. And, like, listen, she always had the power to do it herself. Yeah. But I think, Wes, that you were each able to see a part of the of the other one that that person couldn't see themselves. Yeah. She, yeah. Yeah. Um, so what do we think? Because that's the thing is, like, this is a very relationship heavy book and not plot heavy in the sense that there is the you know the wrinkle with henry's friend edward or well his cousin and he runs the estate and it turns out that he was taking money from phoebe's kids to pay for a woman he had knocked up and Mm -hmm. you know he 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 said well she isn't of the station that I could marry her. So I'm doing this. I was going to always pay it back. And if I, you know, it turns out like his idea was if I marry Phoebe, then it's my money. So I don't have to pay it back. So we learn he's mm-hmm. a scumbag. And then Sebastian steps in and is like, no, this guy's fucked. Yeah. Like I'm going to take care of him, which I thought was kind of like, I, 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 I wasn't upset about it, but it was, there wasn't really anything keeping them apart like West in her other than, you know, West starts drinking again for a very brief moment, which, mm-hmm. which kind of sucks that he fell off the wagon. But I mean, I think it's one of those things where we realize he has to get to a, a, a bottom point to then show like how the relationship with her is going to, you know, lift him up and, and help him maintain his sobriety. I don't, is he like sober, sober? Like he doesn't drink at all, or he just like doesn't drink to excess uh, at all? I think he doesn't drink to excess, and him like you know yeah. going out and doing the like I'm gonna get fucked up. I think that was like a step in behind, you know, a step back. Oh yeah, definitely. I think so too. Um, yeah, I mean the thing with Edward Larson, like the guy who was managing this the state, I think we knew 
that he was hiding something. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. When he wouldn't give her any of the books and he was like, kept coming up with reasons. I was, three months, Phoebe was just like, can you bring them to me? And he said no. And I was like, this guy's hiding some shit. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It is like, what What were your feelings on Henry, on her first husband? I mean, they, I mean, Lisa really does, you know, show how much more masculine West is than Henry. Mm-hmm. Like, it's hard because I like an alpha. Like, uh, uh, like, he was more like a charity case than anything to me. Yeah. And it's, and it's interesting. Be, I, I mean, like, I hated Henry. <laughs> Obviously, he's ill. It sounds like he has, like, Crohn's disease or something. Like, there's nothing you can do about that. That's not his fault. Yeah. But I think that he knew that, like, it was manipulative of him, I think, knowing that Edward Larson had this other woman. Like, not family. Obviously, he wasn't marrying this woman. But, like, that he had a woman with a child. Mm-hmm. And that he was like, still, I want you to marry Phoebe. I think it was, like, a ownership thing of, like, I'll take, like, she won't fall in love with anybody. Like, she won't fall in love with this guy because he has, like, kind of this piece on the side, like you said. And therefore, like, I can still have that level of control over her. And I think Mm -hmm. once that was revealed, that he had knowingly done that, I was like, ah, fuck this guy. Yeah, yeah. Because it's, yeah. And he just seemed like, it was interesting because we spend time with Sebastian and Evie and we hear about how much Sebastian, like, hated (laughs) Henry. Yeah, yeah. Because he was like, oh, he wasn't really a man and he couldn't take care of her. And I'm like, I am on Sebastian's side because obviously having a chronic illness doesn't mean that you shouldn't like get married or any of those things, obviously. But I think that Phoebe is at our heart such a romantic and I think wants to see the best in people. And because Henry was somebody she grew up with, and I think that there was this aspect of the relationship that was just like, Oh, well, he's dying and that's a little romantic. Yeah. And I can take care of him fully. And this kind of like naivete idea of what it means to like fall in love that Phoebe was entertaining. And I think that her and thinking of continuing to marry Edward Larson was kind of a little bit of that moroseness, mopey, this is what it means to be in love thing. And I'm just so happy that Wes came along and, like, shook her out of it. Was like, don't you want to, like, fuck more? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I do. Definitely. Well, also, she is the daughter of one of the greatest love stories ever. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. the, all, and, and when you look at how they are together, you still see her parents as this, like, loving, passionate couple. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. in, that's, that's a thing to aspire to. But also, it's intimidating, you know? Definitely. I think, yeah, I mean, it's also, it's similar to like, you know, in Bridgerton with Gregory, where he's like, oh, I definitely believe in love. And then he just like tried to force himself to be in love with whoever he was around, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So talking about Sebastian and Evie and like how Sebastian, how much he hated Henry made me really hate Henry too. And I liked kind of seeing him as a meddling father. You know, whenever you have a reformed rake and you see him around his kids, you always want him to be, like, more overbearing. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and at the end of the book, um, oh, when uh, when Wes calls for 
um, Ethan Ransom to come to the estate because he wants like certain information. And you realize how much Ethan and Wes must look like each other because she goes up behind Ethan and um, scares him. And he like throws her up against the wall because he obviously doesn't realize who she is. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in that moment, too, for a second, I was like, oh, is this like, does she get kidnapped in this book? Because, you know, there was a while where like Lisa was getting the heroines kidnapped at 90 percent. Just yes. always. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, wait, does she get <laughs> And I forgot, but I was like, no, no, no. But that was very sexy. I think I love any time a man comes charging into a room to, like, check on his, like, heroine. Uh-huh. Just to be like, are you okay? Did he hurt you? Even yeah. though it's Ethan Ransom, it's like, he was never going to really hurt her. He's not, he's hardly a threat. But yeah. I loved that moment, too. Yeah. Um, that kind of glance into... Uh, into what's happening in Ethan's book too. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I love that in this book, Phoebe is the pursuer for half the novel. And she's the one who, oh, Clayton, we almost need to talk about the most important scene. A shaving scene. Yes. Yes. I yeah. mean. I mean, it's a great scene. <laughs> we have two sh- shaving scenes in a row. This was ama- this was her seduction through shaving. Like she yes. went there looking to shave a man, looking to fuck a man. Exactly. I mean, there's no other. There's no better way to do it. That's that's the way to a man's heart is is through his beard. <laughs> and he had never let another soul shave him from yeah. he, when he was 14 years old, and then he like put down his guard enough to let her. I mean, that's why I love that trope so much. Is that, yeah. and I've said it a million times, is that it's it's the ultimate trust. Mm-hmm. It truly is like you know, like a sharp, a, a sharp uh, a, a razor next to your neck. You know, it's like that's mm-hmm. that's that is like trusting somebody completely. And, she and there's like a like closeness. Shades have in her to. underwear. What? Yes. Well, there's just like a close, you have to just get so close. You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. you just have to get so close to somebody to do that. And I think, I'll be yeah. honest with you, I think my love of that trope started very early. And it started with, and I don't know if I mentioned this, probably when I, when we, you know, had our first shaving scene back in the day, was the movie Phenomenon, mm-hmm. where Kira Sedgwick, uh, shaves uh, John Travolta's massive face, <laughs> and uh, because all the stars have big heads, uh, mm-hmm. um, but that I remember seeing that as a kid, like as a teenager, and being like, "Why is this like really arousing in a way that it shouldn't be?" Because you know, when you're that age, you're like, "Oh, I want to see boobs. I want to mm-hmm. see a butt," you know. <laughs> but then I was just like, "Wow, this is like really something different." I was very into that scene. And I couldn't tell oh, my yeah. friends because obviously that would be like, you know, they'd probably make fun of me for it. But hopefully they all felt the same way. I bet they did. Probably did. I mean, I definitely did. I remember that being like a very central scene. Do you? What was the first book that we read with a shaving scene? Or was it The Devil in Winter? Yeah. Yes, it was The Devil in Winter. And St. Vincent shaved Evie's uh, dad. Yes. Yes. And that was like a, a bonding thing between him and her, him and him and him, but also showed that she was like, I can trust this guy. He's he's a caring mm-hmm. guy. Yeah. And of course, that's why there's a shaving scene in this. Oh, wow. 
Yeah. I mean, this was an incredibly sexy shaving scene. Mm-hmm. Because he's nervous. She's like, you can look at my boobs while I shave you. And then they end up having sex for the first time. And I just, it's, it's so great. I mean, just like, if you are a fan of pining, this book is so good. And it's so good that she always like goes to him, they have sex. And then he's like, I can't believe I did that. (laughs) And she's never not once bothered by it. She's like, yeah, okay, fine. Mm -hmm. He does try that the first time that they hook up in the library and he tries to be like cold and say like, Oh, I I'm only doing this to, to prove a point to you. But that lasts like one day. Yeah. Um, and then he gives her the cat galoshes. Mm -hmm. Love it. I mean, this book is so, this book is amazing. It's so funny because, you know, as a peek behind the curtain, normally we record this on a Tuesday. Normally I, I'll try to start reading the book on like a Thursday or Friday. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the books are tough to get through and I have to really like block off time to read. Yeah. And this book, I had this weird thing of like not wanting to read it, not because I didn't want to read it, but because I didn't want it to be over. Mm. So I was like, and then when I would read it, I was just like zipping through it. It's just such a readable and it's such an enjoyable book. And I do think... It's my favorite of the Ravenels yeah. so far. Well, there's yeah. just such a lived in. I, don't, I think it's just because of the shared history with all of these characters at this point. Like mm-hmm. five books into the Ravenels and then having read all the Wallflower books. It's like this is like dipping. This is just like getting into a warm bath in a way, you know? Yeah. It's just and really think, comforting. Mm-hmm. And this is the payoff, too, to reading all of the Wallflowers, all of the Hathaways, all of the Ravenels. It's like this is kind of the payoff of sticking with these long, long series is that you end up with a book like this where everything feel it feels like visiting old friends and you, like, really understand all of the world. Mm-hmm. Which is why someone needs to option it. And I, mean, I know. I, would we like, have known on, if it guys. Would we know if it had happened? Like we would, that would be announced. I feel like it would be announced and I feel like. In like deadline. Yeah. Somebody would let me know. But my, my friends who work in writer's rooms for TV shows, they, there's like some master list of like every book that's ever been optioned. Cause every once in a while I'll come across a book. I'll be like, has this been optioned? And I'll text them and they'll tell me yes or no. Hmm. So maybe I'll ask, but I don't think so. Which is like such a miss because these, I just, you know would love to see these on the screen and I think they would do really well and they're so complex and they're so good. Mm-hmm. But, but there's a lot, listen, we say that about a lot of romance novels. I still feel that way about like rule of scoundrels from McLean. And um, I mean, all of her books, bare knuckle bastards, the hell's bells would all make f- fucking phenomenal shows. But I think it's like, I just I'm bummed that like Bridgerton didn't breed like just a ton of romance adaptations the way that I really hoped it would, you know? I mean, I guess they still could come. They could still come, but it does feel like there would have been some a a wave by now. Yeah. There still could be, and I still think that there should be. And like how many 
uh, fucking Marvel things do we have to suffer through? I know some of you guys are Marvel fans, and I'm happy for you that you have that amount of content, but I want it for me <laughs> mm-hmm. in the genre that I prefer. And it's just so crazy to me that, like, whenever a romance is super successful, it's like, okay, well, that's very specific to that romance. But whenever a, like, any other genre is super successful, they're like, cool, let's do 12 more. And it's like... Yeah. Do 12 more of the romances. And I'm not talking about another goddamn Austin remake. I don't need it. We're good. We're good. We're full up. So. <laughs> um. Anyway, that was my aside. That was my rant. Go for it. I do it all the time. <laughs> I, anyway, I love this book. If for some reason you haven't read this book, and I can't imagine why you wouldn't have read this book, but have listened to this podcast. <laughs> Mm-hmm. go read it and read it a second time and a third time i i think this is my fourth or fifth time reading it and it's still so good she's so good i don't know what she does now this goes without saying we would fuck them both right oh in a harp moment and I mean, without thinking about it immediately i mean maybe that's the other yeah fuck it. everybody in this book except for henry and edward oh yeah, no Henry, no Edward, but yeah, pretty much everybody else I'm into. Yeah. They were, they were both incredibly sexy. And I also, I wonder, I, maybe that's part of the reason why I also want this adapted, because I'm like, I want to see what these Rapunzel men look like, because I bet they're hot as fuck. Uh, I hope they do a better job than they did at Bridgerton. I agreed. I think, but like, just like a big, broad, like the way that they describe Wes, it's just like a big, broad guy with like dark hair and like gorgeous eyes and just like the right kind of like healthy tan that you get from working outside. Listen, let us try. I think somebody just give us like a hundred million dollars and I yeah, we could do it. Nothing. That's nothing. Nothing. It's barely, a write-off. It's, it's a tax anything. write-off. Yeah, exactly. L- look, the L- Batwoman movie cost $90 million. They wrote that off. What's mm-hmm. another $10 million for a write-off? And we'll give you 10 episodes. Yeah. More bang for your buck, literally, because they're going to be so much banging. Exactly. Yes, let us have it. But obviously, we would fuck them both immediately. They're both so sexy. Everyone in this book is so sexy. Uh, Claybus knows how to write a hero. Should we do Goodreads list? Oh, let's do it. So not on as many, like, actual lists as I wanted. And, I mean, it did come out in 2019, which is three years ago. But I, a lot of it was just, like, most anticipated romance, da-da-da-da, those kinds of lists. And it's, like, obviously, yes. So mm-hmm. anyway, here's what we got. Uh, favorite historical romance novels? Yes. Historical widows? Yes. Historical romance non-virginal heroines? Mm-hmm. And I would even go a little bit further, like a very, like a heroine with like a voracious sexual appetite in a way that she's like not ashamed of or scared of. Yeah. You know, women with attitude. I mean, like, I guess so. Mm, yeah. Well, I mean, I, 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 when I think of attitude, I think of, you know, uh, Olivia Newton-John's character at the end of Grace. Mm-hmm. Tell me about she's said. When she's in leather. Uh, but, but yeah. So, but like a Garrett Gibson is a woman with attitude. And I don't know that I would say Phoebe is a woman with attitude. Yeah, not really. Um, we, children in historical romance. Yeah. And you know what? The, they were fine. I mean, it, it was fun that West was into the kids and that really made Phoebe like him more. But like I could do without kids. 
Oh, well, I think these were good kids in that they really informed the story, too. Where it's yeah. like she fell in love with Wes as she watched him with her kids. Yes. And so I think had the kids not been in the book, it would have been a little bit different. And so well, I think, yeah. yeah. And they weren't so annoying. They weren't so annoying. But I mean, and she was really defined as like uh, a mother. And that was a huge part of her character. So to not have the kids around would would leave a blank space. So I agree. Yeah. And also she was a mom who wanted to fuck, which is great to see. Mm-hmm. Top five Lisa Kleypas books. That's really impossible. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I would have to think more on that. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. know if this would be in my top five. I I I, I can't. I mean, I, I I think it's up there. I think it's a really good book with a lot to to love. But I don't know if it's top five for me. I could see it being top five for someone else, though. I mean, obviously, if West is your guy. Hmm. I think maybe we should, after we read the last of this series, we should put aside some time and maybe talk about our top Claypus heroes, our top five books. Because I think, I'm not saying this wouldn't be in my top five, because it might be, but I think I would have to sit down and really think about it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I can't say that, like, now, unless I've put some time behind it. But, I mean, if not in the top five, I would say this is not far from the top. Single Mother is an historical romance. Yeah. Single Mom. Best Humorous Historical Romances. Yeah, they're funny together, these two. And there's a lot of funny, like, little set pieces and stuff, too. It's, you know, Claypus does such a good job of that. Victorian Romance Working Hero. Yeah, he's a working hero. He works. He has a job. He's the estate manager, basically. I mean, like, his brother is also the Earl, but I think, you know, he's working. Historical romance heroine in pursuit. Yeah. I mean, we said that, that she's the one who's kind of trying to lock that down. I don't blame her. I would try to lock that down, too. Past loss in romance. Yes. Ginger women... Redheaded heroine in romance. Yep. Favorite couples? I would say that this is a good couple. Oh, yeah. Uh, and especially if it's like favorite couples across the genre, then definitely. Mm-hmm. And I mean, certainly within Claypest, but Claypest is so good at creating couples <laughs> that again, yeah. if we're doing a top five, we really have to think about it. Oh, yeah. Um, birth control in fiction. It's just the pullout method. Yeah, I was gonna say I was trying to think of like what 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 they actually were in meaning. I get. I mean, that's weird. But what is he this does this talk entail? about one time about like not having a sheath and almost coming inside her, but then she blows him. Yeah. So reformed ex bad boys to love. Yeah, he's an ex bad boy. Best ending. I don't well, I mean well, I don't know if this would be the best ending. No, I mean it was like a good ending and that he ended up and it's interesting because it's like do you think that Tom Severin purposely brought him to Jenner's? I think so. I think so. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and then it's basically Sebastian comes and I do love when Sebastian is like, "Oh, I guess my penance for my past life is now I just have to like entertain all of my daughters." <laughs> Yes. All the men that my daughter has completely ruined <laughs> emotionally. Yeah. Um, 
and he sort of takes West in and then sends for Phoebe. So mm-hmm. I, it's a nice ending. It didn't feel like explosive to me. No, no. Um, judge, judge a book by its cover. Of course. Great cover. Yes, beautiful cover. This whole series actually has really gorgeous covers. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Clayton, what are your tropes? Um, ex-bad boy hero. Mm-hmm. Uh, redheaded heroine. I guess, mm-hmm. yeah, like uh, ex-bully would be, um, I, I mean, widow heroine. Heroine with mm-hmm. kids. Rugrats mm-hmm. in romance. <laughs> um, extended family. Like, this is definitely like we're getting a huge family here. Yeah. And, yeah, those are my tropes. Aaron, what are your tropes? Um, so I have widow heroine, kids in romance, reformed rake, a former bully, not good enough. Like, this is, I don't know what the name of this trope is, but he's his feelings of, like, unworthiness. Okay. Second son hero, a shaving scene, moping, mm. West mopes so much. Yeah. Um, leaving for your own good, he leaves the estate because he's like, I, if I stay here, it won't be good for you. Yeah. Fresh scent of pining hero. He pines a lot. Yes. Orphan hero. He was orphaned as a child. I mean, as being an adult and having your parents be dead, I don't think it's like that crazy. But, you know, he was very young when his parents died. And then I love she sends for him by a telegram and then gets a knock at the door the next day. And it's like, oh, that's too soon for a reply. And instead, it's like fully just West is there. And he's like, I'm here for you. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Which I loved. Oh, and also... We didn't talk about this, but like, you know, Claypest always has the object in every book. And in this book, the object is a book. It is the this like children's storybook that Phoebe had dedicated first to Henry and put X's on certain pages to say that she was like kissing those pages for him. Mm -hmm. West had stolen that book. So I think he had been like in a way pining for Phoebe before he even knew who she was. Yeah, yeah. Which is like a very romantic little touch. Absolutely. So, um, Clayton, what has you swooning this week? Well, I'm swooning about two movies that are currently in theaters. And Mm -hmm. both are horror movies. Although Mm -hmm. I would say that they are both suitable for people who maybe aren't big into horror. Mm -hmm. And the first one is Barbarian, which is, I mean, if you've seen the trailers, it doesn't show a lot. Uh, If you're going to still see this movie, I would say don't look into it. It is a fun Mm -hmm. ride. And there is, you know, there's shocks and stuff. It's it's rare for me to be scared by anything anymore other than stuff I saw when I was a little kid, you know? Mm -hmm. Like putting myself back in the mindset of, oh, God, Freddy Krueger is really scary. But Mm -hmm. it this is just a really fun, cool movie with a lot to offer. And the second one was, or is, Pearl, which mm-hmm. is a prequel to another horror movie that came out earlier this year called X. And the thing with Pearl is that you don't have to see X to enjoy Pearl. And Pearl takes place in 1918. And it's mm. shot in like a real interesting way, like a, almost like looks technicolor. It's a, 
it was shot around the same time as X using the same sort of uh, house that they used in that movie. And it's just uh, a tour de force of acting by Mia Goth, who plays Pearl in this. And Mm -hmm. I just really loved it. I thought it was really fun and great. And I liked it better than X. So if you're somebody who's into horror and you're thinking, oh, Pearl might just be a lark. It might just be a fun little goof. I'd say it's a it's a good movie in and of itself. So those are my swoons. Those are two great swoons. I'm going to see Barbarian tonight, possibly. <laughs> yes. So I'm excited. And I've if avoided knowing. Yeah, if I can stay awake. Uh, so we'll see. 50-50 chance. But so I have, uh, and I've avoided knowing anything like i haven't even seen the trailer so hopefully i can keep it up for the next few hours and then be really surprised perfect do that that's the way to do it yeah um Um, aaron what has you swooning so i'm swooning over a tv show obviously tv is my favorite medium after books i love tv um so this is a show that i was like nervous to watch at the beginning um it is the tv show version of a league of their own which is obviously the movie with um gina davis and tom hanks from the early 90s directed by penny marshall is a perfect film Mm -hmm. and so then when i saw that it was being turned into a tv show i was like do we need this because it is perfection um and I wasn't really going to watch. And then enough people talked about it that I got influenced and I ended up watching it. And I really loved it. It's very different from the movie in tone and subject matter and all kinds of things. So it's it's just basically a, a completely separate experience in a way that is interesting. And a lot of it is, I mean, it's very gay. It's about pretty much every named character in the show is a lesbian Um, which is interesting. You don't see a lot about lesbians or like sort of this kind of episodic television. And, you know, it's the same story basically in that it takes place of this uh, baseball league that started during World War II where women were allowed to play baseball and professionally. Um, And Darcy Carden is in it. And she's, I mean, amazing. And Abby, what's her last name? Abby... From Broad City? Yeah. I don't remember. Abby from Broad City. Abby from Broad City. I feel awful that I don't remember her last name because she wrote some episodes. She stars in it. She's really wonderful, too. And there is one scene where you see one of the original cast members from A League of Their Own in in a completely different way, not playing her character from that movie. But I burst into tears when I saw her. And it was just, oh my God. It was such a moving scene. And I surprised, like I didn't think that I was going to start crying. But when I saw sort of how she shows up in the series, it just really moved me. Um, It made me realize kind of the amount of people whose stories just have not been told at all due to, you know, bigotry and things like that. Homophobia, obviously racism. Um, And... This show does a really great job of kind of highlighting those stories without making it feel like now we're going to tell this very special story about a time gone by. If the characters still feel like actual real people who are actually living in this world and who are actually making these decisions um, in a way that feels very 
real to the time and doesn't feel like somebody from 2022 being like, here's what I would have done if I was back then. And it's like, well, you wouldn't have done that because of these other reasons. Like, it, it feels very rooted in reality. Anyway, I loved it. I think it's already been renewed for season two. If it hasn't, then I would like them to renew it for season two because <laughs> there's definitely mm-hmm. a lot of story left. And um, it's really great. And it's a really fun show to watch. So a league of their own. Well, Aaron, where can they find us? Don't forget to rate, review, and follow us on Apple Podcasts. That's how people find us. Oh, I just also want to do a quick update. So, guys, we aren't going to be doing minisodes anymore. So, we are, and we're probably going to end up taking a break uh, at least for the month of December, if not maybe kind of half of November. Um, So, our next two books are going to be the next two books in the Ravenel series. Um... If you forget where we're we're at, we'll we'll continue to update it on Instagram and within the Facebook troop, the Learning the Tropes troop. Instagram, we're at Learning the Tropes. Um, so go there to find out what our next book is. But just from now on, we will just be appearing in your feed every other week with the book. So just to give everybody a heads up, that's kind of like a, a change of plans. Obviously, like we've said before, we want to continue to deliver this show to you guys. And we need to be sure that we're always doing it in a sustainable way for us. And so that's just something we need to do. Um Sorry about that interruption. So we're also on Patreon at Learning the Tropes Podcast. So if you go to patreon.com and follow us there, that's where you'll find us. Um, you can always email us at learningthetropespodcast at gmail.com. We are on Twitter at Learning the Tropes. Uh, we have our Facebook troop, like I mentioned before, the Learning the Tropes troop. You can find us there. And then we have merch, which is linked below. Nice. That's now, it. Aaron, so what is the next book going to be? So the next book is Chasing Cassandra which is Tom Severance and Cassandra's story. Um, and that is six in the Ravenel series. Nice. Yeah. So make sure to get that from your public library or get mm-hmm. it on Kindle or your local independent bookstore. Mm-hmm. And that that episode actually is going to drop not next Tuesday and not the Tuesday after that. But Wednesday the, is when we release that. I'm sorry, Wednesday. So it's that you will have until October 19th to read that book. Yeah. So that's going to drop October 19th. Um, So we will see you there for Cassandra and Tom's book, Chasing Cassandra. Yep. Until then, happy reading. Happy reading, guys. Bye.